0: Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage podcast with Greg Gregory. Join us as Greg interviews powerful thought leaders and successful team and leadership experts from across the country on teamwork, leadership, and organizational culture. Now let's check in for this week's episode.
1: Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage, a podcast dedicated to the growth and development of teamwork, leadership, and culture. And, uh, Today is gonna be kind of an exciting, a little bit different. Uh, We're focusing in today on those folks in the human resources sector and some things that might help them. So whether you're in HR or not, the ideas that's gonna be shared today, I think are gonna be very helpful. And if you are in HR, they're absolutely gonna be helpful. So let's have a little bit of fun. Step back once a week with the Teamwork Advantage, you get some ideas that you can use right away. So today we've got uh, Phil Strazula. And Phil is an entrepreneur and the founder of Select Software Reviews. It's a website dedicated to helping human resources and recruiting teams to find and buy the right software. That's key. Through in-depth expert advice, Phil started his career in venture capital and somehow got over to HR. We'll talk about that before getting his MBA from Harvard Business School. Phil, I hope I said your last name right. Is that right, Strazula?
0: You got it, Greg. Yeah. Nice job. I, I'm very impressed.
1: Oh, oh, good. So talk to us a little bit. How'd you get your start? You Were you in business school and then you went to venture capital and then how did you move from venture capital to human resources? That's not a common move.
0: Yeah. So I, I've always been interested in investing. I've been doing it since I was 12. My brother and I convinced my parents to take us to Fidelity and, and open up accounts. He's a year younger than me and... Now as a hedge fund manager, just kind of always done that. After college, where I studied finance, I wanted to work in the world of investing and finance. And I was also really interested in entrepreneurship. And so venture capital is sort of this like cool place where you can do the finance stuff, but you're working with these super early stage, very entrepreneurial companies. So I did that when I was before my business school uh, degree. So I did, worked at this firm called Bessemer Venture Partners, and then went to HBS to get my MBA. And uh, while there, I guess I sort of finally had the guts to start a business. So I thought I should probably know how to program in order to do that. So I started learning how to program kind of nights and weekends sort of thing, working on different projects. And one thing led to another. And one of these projects sort of stumbled upon the the problem that a lot of companies were having, which was how to deal with Glassdoor, A lot of companies were just having a lot of negative reviews on there. And so um, a friend and I built this business around sort of sharing what it's like to work at your company um, through the voices of your employees, Um, a more authentic approach versus the guy that you fired going on Glassdoor and and ranting about how much they hate you. Um, So after five years of doing that, I was extremely burnt out. Uh, I was mostly on the phone selling stuff to HR people all day long, and I hired a person to replace me on a day-to-day basis. I wanted to start another as I had this free time and started thinking about what I want to do next, and I personally love to learn. I love to teach, and I saw that there were, at that point, about 20,000 HR solutions. Now there's 30,000 out there, anything from stuff through artificial intelligence use cases for hiring diversity candidates, et cetera, um, and everything in between. And so I started this website where we just do a ton of research. We write up the research. Anybody can access it for free. We'll tell you, you know, how much to pay for a solution, what to buy, et cetera. Uh, and then we have advertising on our website that helps us keep the lights on and, and helps us stay unbiased from an editorial perspective.
1: I was gonna ask about being unbiased in that aspect. So that's the way to do that. So, and we were teasing beforehand, you're kind of like uh, the Angie or the Yelp reviews of the HR world for software, is that about right?
0: Yeah, more or less. Uh, And the difference is that instead of allowing anybody to come on and say, hey, this is the one I like, this is the one I hate, because that introduces a tremendous amount of bias We have an editorial team and what they do is they listen to people who say, Hey, I hate this. I love this. And then they do their own research. And we have like questions. We ask vendors, we have rubrics, we have all this sort of rigorous process to make sure that we're going to produce what we think is the best advice online when it comes to buying this stuff.
1: Mm -hmm. So in that way you might be a little bit more like a consumer reports aspect.
0: That's exactly right.
1: Yeah. 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 So we're getting into that. And that makes, that makes perfect sense. So over the years now, you started this company when? Three years ago. Three years ago. So obviously you've done your research. So you go back five, 10 years, 15, 20 years, even up through that time frame. HR has totally changed. Um, it was one of those positions that was, oh, they're there, they're for management or they're for the people or whatever. It's, HR has totally evolved. Can you take us through some of those evolutions?
0: Yeah, it's changed a lot. And it's continuing to change dramatically. Like it's, it's insanely fast, actually. So I, I think like Toby from The Office, which is a character, most of us are familiar with, like, that was sort of HR, you know, they're a pain in the neck, nobody really likes them. They're always there to, you know, maybe stab you in the back or deliver bad news or whatever it is. And the, the typical you know, HR team had no impact on the strategic direction of the company. Uh, even things like the hiring plan, you know, they were mostly paper pushers. And what we saw with the last bull market that started in 2010 and ended in March of 2020 was when the unemployment rate started to drop down to record levels we'd never seen before. We needed more and more strategic firepower in human resources and recruiting. And so the best companies like Google, McKinsey, Goldman Sachs, they'd always had amazing leaders in HR. Like if you go back to the founding of Google in 1998, they always thought about things differently and they realized that people were the thing that was going to make them succeed or not. And Mm -hmm. they were willing to invest in that function. Most companies didn't really get that, I think, until like 2015, 2016, et cetera, where they needed to, because otherwise they couldn't hire salespeople, engineers, the people they needed to grow their business. Throughout the pandemic, it's been even more acute because we went from like being in person to being remote, to, you know, to layoffs, to hiring everybody back to, you know, whatever comes next, right? (laughs)
1: Hybrid and everything in between.
0: Exactly. Right. Like a renewed focus on DEI and women's rights and all all these things. Like it's it's just been insane. And I don't think it's slowing down anytime soon. And so you're seeing a lot of people in HR sort of upskilled, right? Like they became more aware of technology, how to use data, Mm -hmm. all these things that happen in marketing, happen in sales, happen in engineering, happen in HR. And then you're actually seeing a lot of people come in from outside of HR, somebody that was the CFO, I've seen CFOs become the chief people officer. I've seen CMOs, same thing. And those people bring a different perspective and have really upped the game as well because everybody else, now if you want to keep your job, you've got to be just as innovative as that person that was running marketing previously. <laughs> so that's kind of what's been going on. It's just like a lot of stuff really fast. And it's and continuing. it's gone
1: from most companies that might've had one, two, three, four, five people, depending how large the company was in their human resources to where now there could be 10, 15, 20 people in some of these companies because they're all got so many specialized areas in HR right now. Is that about the right way?
0: Yeah, I mean, and and that's even for a smaller company. There there are businesses with over a thousand HR people. Um, Mm -hmm. There's there's actually a guy in my building. I didn't even, last week I was in the gym and I just started talking to this guy. It turns out he's the head of HR for a 5,000 employee company and they've got 200 people in HR. They've got people, who are focused on learning development, recruiting diversity and inclusion uh, strategy. They've got a, a data analytics group with PhDs who are looking at like salary data and all this other stuff. So it can be really, really specialized. Mm-hmm.
1: So there's a lot of trends. Where do you see the trends going right now? And in the next, I'm not gonna ask you to go five years down the road because we can't do that. But uh, you know, in the next say six to 12 months.
0: The next six to 12 months, I think we're gonna see, unfortunately, I think we're gonna see a lot of trimming of the fat in organizations that need to think about conserving cash and being profitable and focusing on survival versus growth. Uh, So we're gonna see a lot of firms that are looking at compensation data. How do we treat employees the right ways when when we do release them? how do we maintain our employer brand, which is essentially, you know, how do people think about your company as a place to work? And that can be, that can take a massive hit during layoffs, especially done poorly. Uh, The famous example recently has been better mortgage, better.com where their CEO, you know, went on that zoom call and and blah, blah, blah. Um, And you can look at their last door reviews. If you want to see the evidence for this, it's, you know, somewhat entertaining kind of like watching a car crash, I guess. So, I think like that's going to be the next six to 12 months. I think over time, we're going to see a lot more automation. So that's again, going to be employee relations issue where you're going to have to upskill and, and reshuffle people or lay them off as you implement new technologies uh, and just kind of get more out of the latest and greatest in tech, which is changing, you know, every six months.
1: And there it is because technology is changing so rapidly how does your organization, Select Software, how do you guys stay on top of what's coming out and do you get advanced copies of things to be able to review or how does that work?
0: It's really difficult, to be honest with you. <laughs> and like, And I think we're doing the best job of anybody out there, but we're still not doing an A-plus job like if we got to look at ourselves in the mirror. We just spend a ton of time every single day. One of the things I do is I look at what are the companies that got funded today? Uh, you know, which one of those are in our target markets, you know, in HR and recruiting, in the geographies we care about. And then let's get in front of them and do a demo if we haven't talked to them in six months. We have to continuously update our content and talk to vendors. We need to talk to practitioners, especially we try to narrow in on like, Who we think are like the top you know one or five percent of of practitioners who are always on the bleeding edge what are you doing what are you learning what are you doing with your clients if you're a consultant so that's kind of how we do it we don't usually get like advanced warning or or copies of stuff unfortunately sometimes we do um, which is really cool and that's happening more and more we're only a three-year-old business so um like more and more companies even bigger ones are like hey like let's give you a demo insider look but it's really just like a lot of legwork. And that's why more than half of our team just focuses on staying on top of this market.
1: Right. Now, it's interesting. you said more than half your team. Now, your team is not one of these companies that's like several hundred employees.
0: No, we've got about 20 people that work on SSR.
1: Okay. And 20 people, half of those are really focusing in on finding the products and doing the research and evaluation on them. Is that right?
0: Yep, exactly.
1: So... Do you find some that are exceptional and you really get excited about? And then do you also find some that are, this isn't that good?
0: Yeah. The the vast majority of them are in that second bucket. And wow, really?
1: That shocked me.
0: Yeah, I would say so. There's, so there's like literally 30,000 tools out there. And and I think right now we feature about six or 700 on our website. Uh, So, We get multiple emails a day from companies that we won't even get on the phone with because they just don't meet like our basic, most basics of criteria around you've got a good product, you can service customers, et cetera. Um, There's definitely a top tier of unbelievable solutions where you see it and you're like, it's easy on the eyes, it's super intuitive. There's something smart and interesting here that we haven't seen before, nobody else in the market's doing. And then there are, there are companies that we feature because it's like, this is a good solution and it's the cheapest one. And so mm-hmm. if you're looking for the cheapest thing out there, you should buy this one. Or this is this is the best one for big companies, you know? And like a lot of times, yes. interestingly enough, like the, the software for big companies usually is worse than the software for mid-market companies. Um, so like, we gotta, we gotta tell you which one's the good one for the big companies. And, but I would say probably like less than 1% are truly like, Like, wow, this is unbelievable.
1: Okay. So if I'm an HR manager and I want to check out something for DEI, or if I want to check out something for uh, hiring and assessments, there's a way to work within your framework to search that, right?
0: Yeah. You can go to our site and you can use the search bar, or you can go to like our HR software categories page.
1: Okay. So that helps the HR managers be able to work within that. Yep. Yep. So let's let's branch away from that from the your business model itself because your company's only three years old. And you kind of started not kind of, you did start it from scratch. And so what I want to talk about is let's what are some of the challenges that you know you have faced, Phil, trying to build a business? I mean, you've got you're focusing in on HR and research, but there's challenges for everybody. What were some of the things you ran across?
0: So uh, one of our initial challenges was how to have unbiased content while making money. Uh, I think that one of the advantages of our- can't make
1: money, uh, can't keep the lights on.
0: Yeah, it's good to be able to like pay employees and stuff like that. Um, so that, that was tough. Uh, I think that right now what we're trying to, we're sort of going through this evolution where I used to be everyone's manager, but you can't be the manager for 20 people because then you don't have a brain. Like your your brain is too cut up and you don't have time. So now we're bringing in like a management layer. So we just hired a COO. We're gonna hire a director of marketing. We're gonna hire a head of content. Uh, And so that's sort of like an interesting teamwork sort of challenge that we're thinking about the biggest challenge for our business at the end of the day is how do we become a trusted resource for HR people and and business leaders? Because we have COOs and CFOs and CEOs that use our research as well. Um, But how do we be there and how do we be there at the right time? Because most companies, you're not buying HR software all the time. You're going to do it every couple of years, every, some companies every 10 years. So in that week, how do we stay top of mind for you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Top of mind awareness is absolutely critical and, it's interesting because somebody may buy a, a DEI software this year and they may need something totally different next year. Now we're got now you've got a place that they can come back to and be that trusted resource.
0: Yeah, so that's right. It's, what it's about more like Geico. Like Geico's problem is like you buy insurance very infrequently. So like they have all these wacky ads so that you remember when you're buying motorcycle insurance, like, oh yeah, Geico does insurance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we sort of have the same problem. We just don't have the marketing budget of, of Geico at this point.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that, that does pose a challenge at that point. So one of the challenges, you mentioned that when you were there, you were trying to manage 20 people. We all know that that just to get out work. And I that makes perfect sense. One of my leadership programs, when I talk about it, that's the things I talk about is, you, know, you can't manage that many people and be effective. So what happens is people have trouble troubles and I think the pandemic has really challenged us even more. And we've gotten to the point that squirrel here, there, everybody's bouncing everywhere. How, How have you been able to keep that entrepreneurial spirit which is constantly seeing new things How can you keep that going with yourself and the team, but also get people to really? And I'm going to use your words that you talked about it that I read about is deep work. How can how can people get focused? What what do you tell people to focus in on? And how do you? Because I know for me that's a challenge.
0: Yeah, I think for me one of the most formative business or productivity books I've ever read is Deep Work by this guy Cal Newport. He's a professor at University of Pennsylvania, and he was publishing like four or five times more often than his colleagues. And his colleagues are like, how is that even possible? And he's like, well, you're spending your whole day checking your email. I checked my email at 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. And otherwise, I'm writing. And what he started going down this path of is understanding a lot of the science behind how your brain focuses and how easily distracted it is and how long it takes you to get back into that state of focus. And so- I've
1: read that it takes, for every one minute you're away from a task, it can take between on average about three minutes to regain your thought, depending on the complexity.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. And, And that's really to just to regain it. But for many hard tasks, hard mental tasks, so we're talking about like computer programming, or mm-hmm. writing, or building a spreadsheet, or something like that, it takes your brain about 15 minutes to kind of get in the flow. Mm-hmm. And so if your text message is going off every seven minutes, or you're, you've got your email open on your computer, and you can see the notification out of the corner of your eye, you're never going to get into that state. And McKinsey actually did a study about this, and they found that their analysts were five times more effective in a flow state versus not. And I think that that might even be an understatement. If, if you're actually in a flow state and you spend an hour just doing something and, and that's all you're doing, you will be shocked, like beyond shocked at how much you can get done. And so I um, highly recommend the book, Deep Work. I'm happy to talk about some of the strategies that I use personally to get into state okay. of Deep Work. Um, yeah, go
1: ahead Go ahead and share just a couple of those strategies. Sure. You know, we, We're talking about HR, but we're talking about business and HR's job in some cases is to help people be more productive. So hopefully some tips here will come into play as well, as well as for those that are non-HR professionals.
0: Yeah, sounds good. So one thing is your phone. So I put my phone in do not disturb and I put it face down in a part of my desk I can't see out of the corner of my eye. And I also put my phone in black and white mode. Um, because there are there's like a ton of research done to optimize colors in apps to distract you. Because the more time that you spend on Instagram, that's more money that Facebook makes. Right. So they literally have teams that are just like, what are the colors that we should be using? What are the hot app? colors of the week? Yeah. Yeah. So so I put it in black and white mode. So like your phone, you kind of like check out the box, um, your email that's another thing that's super distracting so close that don't have the tab open so that you're always looking at it and then another thing i do is that um typically from 8 to 11 on my calendar it just blocked off so people can't schedule a meeting so it's not like i know i've got a meeting in 30 minutes i can only get like some small thing done and then i usually check my email i don't get anything done for those 30 minutes before the call i have a large block where mm-hmm. i can say okay i'm gonna do this really hard thing and i do that first thing in the morning in part, well, that would
1: be, person. I would assume is your peak time. Now you're a morning person.
0: I'm a morning person. I have the most sort of brain power then. Mm-hmm. And so for someone
1: who's a night person or an evening person, they might do their block time at two to four o'clock in the afternoon.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right. They definitely could do that. The the last thing I'll mention is there's this really cool app called Focusmate that I started using when I started doing this and it's extremely weird, but it matches you up with another person over video for 50 minutes and you don't know this person. You're usually like a PhD or like some very like intellectual, like pure programmer and, or, or me. Um, and for the first <laughs> minute, you're like, you're like, Hey, my name's Phil. Here are the three things I'm going to get done in the next 45 minutes. And they're like, Hey, my name's Joe. And here's what I'm gonna, and they're like, okay, cool. And then the camera's on the audio's on, and you just like do your work and you sort of have this like social contract. And you keep them updated. So in the chat, it's like, "Hey, I, I wrote those three pages. Hey, I, di- I did this other thing, etc." And then the last thirty seconds, "Hey, what'd you get done?" And it, that sounds like really strange. Um, it works. Actually,
1: it doesn't. It's a, it's an yeah. accountability partner.
0: It, exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, I used to have an accountability partner in uh, from a dietitian point of view to help me eat more effectively. Mm-hmm. And so yep. I would literally post on a daily basis and she'd come back and slap my hand. So you didn't do very well today, yep. that type of thing. But it, yep. So it wasn't an hour type thing, but it was on a daily event type thing.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. That's it. That's it. the whole thing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I talk bit. about
1: from a teamwork perspective is holding each other accountable. And in this aspect, you get somebody that you don't know holding you accountable, which is even better in a lot of cases than, trying to hold yourself accountable because we'll lie to ourselves
0: yeah and it's so easy to you're on your computer and you're like i'm gonna check the news i'm gonna check my stocks i'm gonna check facebook i'm gonna you know what i mean and then you wake up 45 minutes later and you're like oh well, it's time for lunch um, <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like it's all like, right you've right, been watching
1: ahead. my office because that that sounds like a very comment that i resemble
0: <laughs> yeah exactly so it, what's what's nice is that like literally in like three or four hours you can get more done than a lot of people get done in a week and so then like you want to go meet your friend for lunch and not feel guilty go do that because you just got a ton of stuff done don't like have to everything and and not enjoy anything
1: right right that's i think that right there in and of itself is the biggest challenge we've got today because again some of us are working hybrid some of us are working in the office some of people are working totally remote still i've been working remote for well over 20 years So it's, it's trying to figure out what's going to work for you and not everything is going to work perfect for everybody. And that's, that's key.
0: Yeah. But you can change your behavior because I, so I work remotely and I've been working remotely since before the pandemic, I could never work from home. My first business, my business partner, he'd like go home and get another like five hours of work done. And I'm just like, how do you do it? Like I get home and I'm like, all right, I'm going to clean the counter. I'm going to do the laundry. I'm going to, like, I was always procrastinating. And it really took just, you know, these focus mate sessions and internalizing some of the stuff in this book for me to become productive at home. And then, and then you become extremely productive and, and you're a lot happier too.
1: Right. Okay. So let's, let's t- change gears a little bit again. We're covering a lot of ground here today. And this is exciting because it's not just one direction. You know, we're hitting HR, we're hitting focus abilities and things like that. Let's, let's hit one of our keywords: The teamwork advantage, we focus in on three key areas. Teamwork, leadership, and culture, or what I call the TLC of business. What's the culture with SSR?
0: So, we're a remote first team and remote only. We have employees on every continent except for Australia and Antarctica. So, we're only a 20 person team but we've got somebody in Dubai, somebody in LA, I'm in Boston, Barcelona, Colombia, South Africa. And so we have this like very eclectic mix of people from very different backgrounds. Um, People who are deeper religious, people who are atheists, people who are older, younger, you name it. And so, it's sort of interesting, especially in this day and age in, in the US where things are so polarized and fragmented um, to have a sort of like working environment where like we all kind of think and believe different things and we can all get along and respect each other and, and learn from one another um, as as people and, and sort of, you know, life stuff in addition to work stuff too, because somebody... We've got like somebody who's like an SEO guru on the team, somebody who's an amazing BD person, somebody who's an ops person and we're small enough where we all share what we're working on and help each other. So it's very collaborative as well. Um, I would say those are sort of the things that define our culture at this point.
1: And it's interesting because you talked about sharing the knowledge there. And I think that's, that's critical if everybody's sharing along those lines, when we stop to think Um so many people are, that's what I'm looking for here, overprotective of their job function because they're worried somebody's going to take it. Yeah. So I'm assuming that's not an issue within SSR.
0: No. You. We're such a young company that's grown.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's sort of the opposite.
1: Whoops. Where- You've frozen up on us here. Are you going to make it back? Waiting to see if we can get him back here. Hang on for a second, Phil. See if you're coming back. Yep, You're back. Nope. No, you're not. Am I back? Yeah. You're you're in and out. (laughs) I'm here. Yep. You're there now.
0: Okay. All right. Awesome. Um, Yeah. What I would say is we, we have like a team of athletes. So, we have people that are just like good at doing stuff and and sometimes that's new stuff. So we've got people who are good content writers who maybe are willing to dip their toe in SEO. We've got people who are really good at business development, who are looking into doing email marketing because we we just have so many things to do. We don't have specialists for each of those yet. Um, It's almost like people are just willing to share a lot more than be protective of their little fiefdom
1: good yeah. and so how did you realize what your culture was and how do you create that culture and then the biggest question of course is how do you maintain that culture as you're growing
0: so i think we realized it through just the conversations that we were having so I've interviewed and hired everybody that we, that's on the team right now. And so for, in weird ways, people sort of mirror the way that I think about things. Um, most people, and I'm just gonna brag about myself or talk about myself in a weird way, but, but most people are like fairly cynical. Um, they are fairly humble. They are, they try to think about things objectively and from like a first pr- principles perspective. And I just sort of realized that as we would have team conversations, we have like a Thursday hangout where we just kind of, you know, play trivia or whatever together, talk about stuff. Um, In addition to work things that happen throughout the week. I think that's just sort of how we realized what the culture was. And then we codified it. We put it on the career site, we put it in job descriptions and we made sure we tried to hire for it. So
1: you just brought up a key aspect. You get together and you have, you know, trivia night, if you will. Yep, But you've got people all over the world. Yeah. There are 24 time zones. Yeah. How do you do that? I mean, how, I mean, you're a remote only organization. Yeah. How do you maintain continuity consistency and how do you have a team
0: meeting? So we document a lot of things. We have a document about how to communicate so the norms, so for example, our COO is in Los Angeles. We have a teammate in Bangalore. If the COO emails somebody at 11 a.m. Pacific time, you shouldn't expect to get an answer back uh, until the next day, right? If you email somebody in general, you shouldn't get an answer back within 24 business hours. If you Slack somebody, maybe it should be more like three business hours, but we, we don't wanna create a culture where People are constantly checking their email. We want to create room for deep work. Or even in
1: Slack, not checking your Slack box, you know, all that often either. I mean, because that's like text messages.
0: It is, exactly. And it can drive you crazy. It can destroy productivity. So we basically have a a norms doc about how to communicate. We have the right expectations. So people do their work, but they're not, you know, change to their desk sort of thing. I worked in investment banking. It's, you know, not a fun existence. And frankly, we don't pay people enough to to change them to their desk. Um, but it, it's really just about being intentional making sure you hire the right people. When, when people kind of step out of line, set that norm and have an open conversation and, and have it as an example for other people in an anonymous way. You know, if somebody does something bad, just kind of bring it up to the group. Hey, I noticed that a few people had this question. Here's how we're going to handle that. What do you guys think? Um, and asking for a lot of feedback as well from the team.
1: Okay. In your three years. Yeah. You got 20 people. Let's, let's ask a bold question. How many have left?
0: We've had one person leave and we had a very frank conversation about it. He actually wrote a song about how much he hated working remotely. Uh, it's on Spotify. I forget the name of it, but he just hated, he was, uh, three years out of college, really smart guy, Ivy league graduate. He was a national champion athlete. Um, and
1: he needed the human continuity what's that he needed the human connectivity and continuity
0: he did yeah he had some mental health problems and depression um he really needed to be in an office and we couldn't provide that so we had a couple conversations about it tried to help him out didn't work out he got another opportunity so he was here for about six months and then left okay um but otherwise you know we we try to be really upfront, even on our career site, I basically made a video and I was like, this is because this job isn't for everybody. You know, if you want an office um, if you don't have sort of an open mind where somebody's talking about their culture, that's like very different from yours and you're going to, you know, criticize them or, you know, kind of push your beliefs right. on them. Like that, that sort of stuff is not going to do well. Um, so don't apply. And, and I think that's been a decent filter.
1: Okay. Where do you see your business going and what are your goals as far as growth with SSR now?
0: Um, I'd like us to double again next year. I don't know if that's possible. We're obviously heading into a lot of really challenging economic times. It's unclear how challenging they will be, but for sure some of our customers will be hurt. I'm sure people will, will slow down buying technology to some extent. We're, we're like 0.1% of the market. So, you know, if the market contracts by 10%, it might not hurt us too much, but I'm, it's unclear, like what's going to happen. As I mentioned before, I'm a bit of a cynic. Um, so, you know, I'd, I'd love us to double next year and we'll see what happens, I guess.
1: So here's the $64,000 question. Okay. Did you use the software that you review to hire people? On your team with SSR.
0: We do, yeah. We do use a lot of that software to hire okay. and and pay people and, and everything else. Yeah,
1: because you talked about payroll as being one of those buckets that you've got.
0: Yeah, and we, we're weird because like we got to pay people in the US. We've got an employee in California, which is like the worst state in the world to employ somebody. Um, it can literally ruin your company to employ somebody in California if you're not careful. And then we've got people who are in all different, you know, Dubai, there's no taxes. Um, Bangalore, it's very different. Barcelona, it's extremely different. So we got to get money in these people and we got to do it compliantly. Yeah, we got all all kinds of stuff going on.
1: So that, that makes it very challenging. And so when you're thinking about hiring, does any of that come into play or is it, are you strictly looking at the people?
0: I'm strictly looking at the people for better or worse. I'm just trying to find somebody who is really good at something that has the other attributes that I think will be additive to our company. Because again, we're a small company. And just because you're like hired to do SEO doesn't mean I'm not going to ask you to help do something else. Yeah.
1: I used to, you started to use the expression that yeah, when you start off at a startup company like that, Sometimes you even have to take out the trash and be your own janitor.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, those, those are the things that are important. Somebody who's, who's cheap, um, you know, somebody who like watches money, who thinks analytically, uh, who questions everything. Yeah.
1: Okay. Where we asked about where you see SSR going in the next year. So trying to double in everything, What challenges do you see beyond the current economic situation? Do you see other challenges?
0: So we've got the Geico problem where we've got to figure out more and more ways of getting in front of HR people at the time when they're buying the software. That's really, really tough. We've got to find the right people. We've got to train them. We've got to develop them. We've got to manage them effectively. You know, it, it was very different when I was the person hiring and in onboarding every single employee, I'm not going to be that person anymore, which is kind of crazy. And that's going to have implications for our culture and how people work together. Mm -hmm. So those are all big challenges for sure. Um, we're building out like a management layer in our business of leaders and we've got to find and empower the right people there because, uh, otherwise we're, we're in deep trouble.
1: So you mentioned onboarding. Uh, That was just kind of an interesting note there. It's got to be difficult when you're trying to onboard somebody in Barcelona, Dubai, LA, you know, all of that. How how do you, how do you do that? How do you build a consistency with all those different areas, whether it's onboarding or doing other trainings or whatever?
0: So we have, three weekly meetings that help us kind of align as a team. We do a strategy meeting where somebody walks us through a part of the business in depth. We do a kind of Thursday hangout. We do a Monday touch base. What are you working on? What'd you do last week? I think that helps when somebody starts, everybody in the team does a one-on-one with them. So, you know, if somebody gets an offer letter, they sign it, they get a ton of emails. Oh my God, congratulations. Can't wait to work with you, et cetera. Um, Let's get a virtual coffee on the books Some people now just sort of like hang out one-on-one because they like each other, you know, and they like to collaborate. We have had people meet up in person. So one of our colleagues is now visiting Columbia because their girlfriend lives there. And our other Colombian colleague visited them. I was in Mexico city last fall, got together with a couple of people. Our LA person's coming to Boston next week. We probably will do an in-person and I'm trying to figure out where, uh, because no matter where we do it, somebody's going to have like a 24-hour disaster travel. Um, but it would be wonderful for all of us to meet in person because there there are things that you miss unless you're in person. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, we just try to make everybody feel really welcome, give them lots of stuff to work on, give them the right norms, the right documentation, be really transparent, and hopefully be a good place to work.
1: Well, you've shared a lot with us today. There's no doubt about that. There's. Uh... A lot we can learn from entrepreneurs that can be applicable in business. There's a lot we can learn from business that will help entrepreneurs. You talked about HR. We talked about how to work with that, with the software that SSR is reviewing. I started to say releasing, but it's, you don't release the software. You review the software. So in parting, what's one thing that you would give as far as a piece of advice for anybody working in any profession, any business, whether remote, in-person, what's something that you would say is your greatest takeaway that you've learned since you've gotten into business?
0: I think I've thought about this. Like what would I tell myself if I had like 30 seconds with like 18 year old Phil or something like that? I I think it would be to start meditating. Uh, The world is going to change really quickly. You know, you might be in a job that doesn't exist in five years. You might be at a company that doesn't exist. You might, things happen in life. Right. And I think the only way to, to sort of be prepared is just to be a very clear headed and objective and deal with the reality of the reality. We're really good at, at sort of obfuscating what's going on, Mm -hmm. but meditation allows you to see, you know, what, what's actually, and sometimes that's a really hard thing to see, um, difficult as well as just painful. So meditation helps with, with that.
1: Yeah, that'll help get, uh, I use the term, getting out of our comfort zone and into the growth zone without freaking out and going into the panic zone. So Yeah,
0: it'll help you avoid panic for sure.
1: Yeah, and that's absolutely key. Well, Phil, it's been great having you on board here with us with the Teamwork Advantage from Boston. Um, hopefully, you get you back here again uh, next year when you've uh, taken the company, you've doubled your size, and you're up to 40 employees. hope so.
0: That'd be nice. That'd be cool. It feels weird to have you even say that, but that'd be awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Folks, you know, once a week, just about an hour, 45 minutes to an hour, once a week, you get ideas that you can use by listening just to the simple advantage here at the Teamwork Advantage. And these are ideas that you can act on immediately. Until next week, remember that having a good day, that's just being average. When you listen to the Teamwork Advantage, we know you're not average. So go make today an excellent and exceptional day. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: This has been the Teamwork Advantage with Greg Gregory. To learn more about how Greg can help your organization develop a powerful winning culture, visit teamsrock.com. That's t e a m s r o c k.com. Be sure to join Greg next week when he interviews another exciting and powerful thought leader on the Teamwork Advantage. Until then, as Greg says, make sure you have a great week, because a good week is just being average.